You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Uh, why don't you uh, give us a nice good morning and a greeting uh, in, in Chinese for us, just so we get the morning head in the right direction. Hey, there we go. So uh, that was a good morning, right? It was, hey everybody, good morning. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And Clay, uh, and this is uh, uh, Clay's wife, Rhonda. How about everybody say hi to Rhonda over here? Hey, Rhonda. Hey, Rhonda. Um, and uh, y'all have Chinese names? Can we do that? What's the Chinese name? Uh, Tang Hongen is okay. my name. Actually, you I need to just go Tang Rongda. That's terrible. <laughs> I've rejected my name, so we, we have to get a new one for me. We, yeah, Rhonda was given a Chinese name years and years and years ago yep. that she did not like at all. And, yeah. and, to be fair, it wasn't that great. And so yeah. we just need to have some of, of our, our yeah, our, all of our girls have Chinese names. I can say their names. Tang Anyu is our oldest, Karis. Tang Mei Li is our middle one, and her English name is Mei Li. Also, it's the same. And then Tang Li An is Liliana, who's, who just ducked to be out of sight. I get it, dude. Yeah, uh, my Chinese name is Wong Leon, and that sounds somewhat of the similar tones, probably different, different meanings. Um, but yeah, those names have super important meanings, and mine actually uh, has kind of some prophetic tones to it too, which is kind of cool. Um, but these guys, um, if you guys are new here, are one of our four uh, beloved mission partners that we support um, ongoing uh, as a part of our, our City Lights calling. And um, I just, from the first service, and just being able to talk with them, catch up at lunch, and then also just talk with them a little bit more deeply um, this morning at 9 a.m., um, you guys are definitely in for a treat uh, to hear about the ways that um, the Lord is working over there in, in Taiwan. And so um, I shared this uh, earlier in, in the first service. Uh, Clay's a hero man. He, uh, he leads worship. Uh, he speaks, uh, obviously, Chinese, as we talked about. He's been uh, over there since 19, or he's been called since 1999. He and his wife, Rana, have been over there for six years ongoing. Um, and I just told him, personally speaking, just being uh, a Chinese-American, somebody that was born in Asia, moved over here, not coming from a believing home and finding uh, the Lord, just in my journey of seeing the Lord's heart for uh, Hong Kong, for Asia overall, um, it's been cool to, to see you guys uh, raised up and called for a place uh, like that. And that uh, is, is just such a, such a cool thing for me personally to, to see and, and to see God's heart really for, for all the nations. Um, and so, uh, anyways, um, how about a hand for Clay and Rhonda for being here? And I, I think the first service started out, it was like 9.30 p.m., and so based on jet lag, we're basically 11.30 right now. It's 11.35 p.m. in how you, Taiwan. How are you guys doing with that, right, with the jet lag? Yeah, we've right? been here for two and a half weeks, so yeah, yeah. We're, we're good. You're, we're you've good totally adjusted. Yeah, yeah gotten, gotten used to it. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well, uh, let me just kind of pray for our time, but it's just like, um, we're going to share a story this morning. I'm going to be kind of asking questions to hear really what the Lord's been doing. Um, but I just want to open our minds, our ears for the idea that their story is really our story uh, in the sense that their story and their calling uh, is um, from the gospel as is ours. And, and not only that, very intimately, um, their story is our story in the sense that they play a part in Taiwan, but then so do we. And, uh, and, and, and so that the nations are not just uh, for the responsibility of missionaries, they're for the responsibility of churches. 
um, and, and that everyone in this room in that sense is, is a goer and a sender to the nations. Maybe one of those is Taiwan. Uh, so um, let me uh, go ahead and pray for our time, and we're just going to kind of share and, and just like we did last time, and I think it's going to be a really great time to be together. Uh, but for a morning like this, Father, uh, we thank you for your heart. Um, we are reminded uh, as we reflect on um, earthly fathers of both the ways that um, uh, human earthly fathers can reflect uh, who you are and also reflect and reveal who you're not like. And, uh, and we thank you, Lord, that um, there is nobody fatherless in this place if they're in Christ. And so we thank you that you just evacuate fatherlessness, Lord, and that uh, nobody is lacking in uh, just a perfect heavenly father. We thank you for the father's heart over places like Greenville and Taiwan. And we thank, we're thankful that um, to you, Lord, that every story we talk about today is names and not numbers. Every single one of these things is stories um, and not just notches in the belt. And so, Lord, uh, we thank you, Lord, not just for missionaries, but for sons and daughters that are sent. Um, sons and daughters that are sent to have the heart of the Father into different nations, Lord. Uh, uh, not the least of these is Taiwan. And I'm thankful that you rose, raised up in this hour uh, a, a son and a daughter like Rhonda and their, and their sweet family um, to be rooted and planted in a nation like that because of your heart. It's only because of you and it's only by you that this could ever be true. And so we come and have much to celebrate today as we share story and testimony in your mighty son's name. Everybody said, amen, amen. All right, tell us a little bit about um, the calling um, into Taiwan. Uh, many of us have maybe, um, like you mentioned earlier in service, have turned over a toy or two and seen Made in Taiwan before. Uh, but beyond that, maybe a little history class about Chiang Kai-shek. Uh, we don't really have a ton of orientation about what, what's going on over there. But it's quite the market story, and I think we should maybe just pause and, and think about the, the idea of um, just ordinary people, as Zach says, regular, ordinary, nine-to-five engineer type of people called the big and great things and, and what that means and, and what that can do um, in a story of a family. So just tell us a little bit about how um, the calling turned into the going when it comes to Taiwan. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, before, I'm going to have Rhonda kick that story off, but before, I just want to echo what Oliver shared. I shared this with the 9 o'clock group as well, but um, really what these stories that we're about to share and what we're, what we're seeing the Father do over there in Taiwan, we wanted to just say thank you to you guys because what we share is what he is doing through us, collectively us. Um, we get to be the tip of the spear, as it were, since we're the ones that are there and seeing it, but you guys make up the spear. We're not there without your prayers, without your financial support and giving. And, and um, it's been a huge blessing even over the last year and a half. I, Oliver and I go way back um, getting to know Sharon and a few of the other people in here um, has been great. And uh, so yeah, what we share this morning is are your stories that you might just now be hearing for the first time, but they are yours. So we say thank you to you guys for that. But I'll let Rhonda kick off how, how Taiwan and how she got there. So um, I grew up here in Greenville and went to Clemson, whoop, whoop. Um, and I, I had a degree in marketing. So um, I guess the first time the Lord opened my eyes to Taiwan, I, it was a summer that, I think it was summer of my junior year, I particip participated in a program called, um, now it's called Forge Ministries, but basically we, um, we went to Thailand for a month, and that was the first time the Lord really opened my eyes to I mean, it might have been the first time, it was definitely the first time overseas, and um, it was the first time I met a missionary family that I felt like was normal. Up to this point in my life, any missionary 
people that came to our, our church growing up, I felt like were very awkward and homely and like, um, anyway, that sounds terrible, but it's just what I felt like, like missionaries were weird. And so um, this family that we worked with in Thailand were normal people. And I just, it just struck me so, I was like, oh, well, they're normal. And so um, I remember someone asked him, um, and to preface this, I was always, um, my family can attest to this, very indecisive. And especially like the times, like towards the end of um, my university years, I was like, I have no idea what to do. If I make one wrong decision, the rest of my life is doomed, you know. And I I knew the Lord and I walked with him, but I still was just like, um, just felt like maybe his will was a pinpoint, and he was just waiting, like, if I was to mess up just a little bit, then just too bad, you know, um, which is not correct. But anyways, um, so he, for in my life, everything was step by step. So he first introduced me to overseas in Thailand, then introduced me to this family, and someone over there said, well, tell us about your calling. Like, how did you end up um, in, Th- in Thailand? And he said, well, you know, I read go and make disciples of all nations, and the Lord gave me the opportunity, and he didn't tell me not to go, so I just went, and I was like, well, well, that's a different perspective. It wasn't like lightning or whatever, so that just planted a seed in my heart, and then after I finished Clemson, I applied to this program called the Journeyman Program, and um, they normally, uh, most jobs were two years, but I was like, you know, that's too long for me. Like, I'll be an old maid by the time I get back, I'll miss the boat on marriage and everything else. So I'm only looking at six months in a year because I wouldn't commit to any, had commitment issues. Um, And so literally like there were hundreds of jobs at this conference that you go to and then you pick out um, where in the world, who who to go serve with, what missionaries to go serve with across the world. So I was just looking at the time, you know, two years, two years, two years, six months, two years, okay, you know, looking over here. And um, I had joked with my family and friends because everyone was like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, that's the question when you graduate. And I was like, I don't know. I have a degree in marketing, but I don't like it. <laughs> and, and my family, you know, would be like, great. Um, glad we invested that money. Um, but I was like, at that time, I, I played music and I had written some and, and played in coffee houses. And I was like, I just want to play music in a coffee house and disciple girls. I was like, who can pay me to do that? You know, and I would laugh about it. And so anyways, at this job thing, I looked and I was like, one of them was six months to a year. And I looked over and it said coffee house ministry students, like coffee house and student ministry. And something in my spirit just like leaped. But then I knew it wasn't the right time at that time and um, was confused about the whole thing. And so I ended up moving to Columbia, going to seminary for a year. And then after about a year, um, the Lord started reminding me about that position again. So I had put it all, all away and like, I don't know, but that's not what I'm going to do. And so um, I just emailed and was like, is this still available? I'm sure it's not. It's been a year. And um, the missionary from Poland called and he said, I never call people, but I heard that you're so interested. And we did fill it, but we would love to have both of you come. And so um, I was like, all right, but where's Poland? And why Poland? And it's going to be cold. And so, um, anyway, for the next year, well, I went to, you have to go to a training. It was like a five-week training, and that's where Clay and I met. He was on his way to Taiwan, and I was on my way to Poland. So, we kind of liked each other, got to be friends, and I was like, well, I'll either marry him or never see him again, because it was not like it is now. Uh, We had, you know, dial-up, AOL, MSN, Messenger, whatever. And um, so, we communicated a little, but kind of lost touch, and then... um, 
after I finished my year in Poland, the team leaders in Taiwan said, why don't you come out for a year in Taiwan? And I had loved the ministry that they do there with the students and was like, um, ended up following that. So for, my, for me, my calling, it was very gradual. And I think, I think the Lord is just really gracious, like he knows how we're made. I think if he had said, I want you to marry this person and go to Africa where you've never been overseas before, um, I would have been like, no, like that's terrifying. Um, but for me, it was like one step at a time. And for some people, it can be gradual. Like maybe that's super exciting to some people. Like he just makes everyone different. And so he, um, just one step of obedience and one open door at a time. And um, so I ended up going to Taiwan and, and towards the end of my year and a half there, Clay and I started dating. And even like trying to decide to marry him because I knew he was going to, his life, his Taiwan life forever. And so that was terrifying as commitment issues. Um, you know, to say forever to any play, one place or one person. And so um, the Lord was just so gracious and just showed me, you know, he gave me the same calling, but different, um, different places. So I had a heart for the Thailand people. I had a heart for Polish people. I had a heart for Taiwan. And my calling doesn't look the same as his, but it's not any less valid. And so, um, so that was important for me and took a while for me to process. So. That's good. Um, Thanks for sharing that. It's good to know. Um, so for me, my, my journey started, like Oliver mentioned, it was the year of our Lord, 1999, that, um, that all of this began for me. And at the time, I was a university student, and I was studying to be an engineer, and I had these big grandiose plans to make all this money to have this land that I could hunt and fish on and raise cattle and you know have a few dogs and you know that kind of deal I grew up in small town Arkansas and um so I was studying for that and it was my my sophomore year at college that this opportunity came up to to join a team that was preparing for China and so I'd been asked to join that and I was like yeah it sounds like it'd be a lot of uh, a fun thing to do and now's the time to do it. You know, I'm, I'm in university. We're going to go over the summer. It'll be great. And, um, and then also, like, to be honest, I mean, just to be honest, I, I was also like, this will be a really good, like, Christian thing to do, right? And um, so I signed up for it, and we had prepared for, like, eight months to go to China and work with this orphanage and stuff there. And whenever I, um, two weeks before we were leaving, we, the whole thing just got uprooted and we weren't even allowed to go into China uh, due to some political issues. And so we were like, well, this, this kind of stinks. And, you know, we've been preparing all this time. We've raised this money. Um, and then we found out a week later that a team had just formed in Taiwan that was looking for 30 university students to come and to help them as they got started. We were a team of 30 university students now with nowhere to go. So we were like, okay, we'll head to Taiwan then and we'll go help these guys out. Honestly, I found out on the airplane what I was going to be doing and where, like, what city I was going to be in, that kind of deal. They split us into these different groups. Um, and, and also, I had no clue what Taiwan was going to look like. Like Oliver said a minute ago, the only thing I knew about Taiwan was most of the toys and clothes I had grown up playing with and wearing had been made there. And that was it. Like, I didn't know if I was going into, you know, grass huts and dirt roads or, or what it was going to look like. You know, I said I grew up small town Arkansas. Population when both universities were there is about 10,000 people. When 
universities were out of session. It was about 5,000. And um, I land in this massive metropolis concrete jungle uh, of like 6 million people right there all around me. And I was pretty wide-eyed. <laughs> pretty wide-eyed and shocked, um, just a country boy from Arkansas now all of a sudden in the middle of all this. But those two weeks that I spent there, the Lord did just amazing work in my heart and in my life and really drew me closer to himself throughout that time. And whenever, but whenever I got back, while I, while I had an amazing time, I saw the Lord do a lot of things. Whenever I got back to the States, um, you know, my, my plan was to be an engineer and, you know, I had my path laid out in front of me. And um, the day that I got back, so my, my norm back then was I would spend an hour and a half, two hours every morning with the Lord. I wasn't married, didn't have kids yet. Um, when you're older, it's more difficult because sleep is a premium and, you know, you don't often get to sleep through the night and that kind of deal. Or, yeah. Um, but back then, my, my norm was I'd spend an hour and a half, two hours with the Lord every morning. I'd just get up early, do that. And um, the day that I got back, I felt like just in my spirit, the Lord was saying, my plan for you is to give your life to Taiwan, making disciples. And being the amazing, amazing Christian that I was, I said, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. And the next day, the same thing. The next day, the same thing. This went on for four months. Mid-May of 1999 to mid-September of 1999, every single day. And so it got to the point where I started just like, okay, trying to negotiate with God. I was like, all right, so I'll give money to people that do this, but I'm not going. And then it was like, okay, I'll go on some short-term trips here and there and give money to people that do this, but I'm not going. I'm not going to be that guy. And this went for four months. And in September of that year, I still remember I was at a worship event uh, with David Crowder Band playing on the stage, and the Lord just really spoke to me um, and, and he led me to, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And as I read that, um, with people standing up all around me worshiping, I just, I said, okay, like I, I just, okay, Lord, if this is really what you want from me, then I'm willing. That, those are the exact words that came out of my mouth. And the moment that I'm willing came out of my mouth, that huge dream that I had of land, hunting, fish, you know, all that, all that money and everything just got super, super, super tiny. And all of a sudden I saw this, this huge um, adventure the Lord was calling me into that I didn't have a clue what it looked like, to be honest. But all of a sudden I knew I was being invited into something that he had planned for me. And so everything changed. I almost left school uh, to just move out there because, hey, if this is what God said, boom, I'm gone. Um, I ended up finishing school and was like, well, if I'm going to go out there, I I'm, I'm, may as well go and start going while I'm, you know, while we're not in school. So I started plan, making plans for the summer and people started out, were like, hey, can we go with you? Sure, come on. Ended up taking like 50, 60 people from my university to Taiwan over the summer breaks and things like that. It was great. After I graduated, went to that training where Rhonda and I met and I lived there for three years. And um, yeah, so that was how we, how I got to Taiwan, how we got to Taiwan and we're going to talk a lot about today about open doors and how God clearly opens doors that people can't. And we'll bang on them and knock on them and be stubborn and so forth. But when God opens a door, nobody can shut it. What's even more 
marveling and amazing to me is when God opens the heart. And so doors that God opens before missionaries is awesome, but the changing of a heart is nothing short of miraculous. From, from uh, missionaries are weird and scary uh, to, I heard you say the word adventure. And so moving that needle from the place of this is a burden, you know, like so many of like, well, if I'm a real Christian, I can check the box. Or, you know, like, if you get me out of this jam, then I'll give my heart to Africa. Or you know, but to see that this isn't, this isn't the burden or the chore, this is the privilege, the great privilege to, to give our heart to the nation. Because in reality, we're all on that journey. It is a miracle to start from a story of me to the story of the nations. The last thing that anybody is thinking of, um, being born in the flesh, not born in the spirit, is to think about the nations. Because I'm thinking about me, right? So like the miracle that God's going to knock on a door and a heart is going to open, and even a stubborn one of that, much like all of us, you know, to be kicking and screaming onto that, to go from the burden to the blessing, to go from the sacrifice to the adventure is a miracle. And so I just, you know, that needs to get stopped and celebrated to see that what God's doing and one will do for another because we all play a part. And, and there's only two kinds of people in this, in this room. There are goers and there are senders. Uh, and we play different seasons at different times. And, but ultimately, we're all goers and we're all senders in different parts. And so um, we'll continue on. And I, I just think that even from the, the last time that we talked, it's like, it's like what is it? J.R.R. Tolkien said that the main character of the story was, was Samwise. It wasn't really Frodo, you know? Because it's the partner. It's the supporter. It's the grandma. It's the uncle. It's the one missionary that came and just played their part that leads to this big, huge hero story that Jesus is the hero and we're the friends and we're the supporters. And so anyways, it's, it's, it's just powerful to hear just the, even the beginning of that story of how, how the Lord begins to turn the soil of your heart. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And, uh, and so therefore, the prayer is not for open doors in the harvest. It's open doors in, 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 the, in the workers, uh, which is so, so cool to hear about. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Taiwan. And so just bring us in like we're two years old, because I know I am, uh, in terms of orientation of the spiritual climate when it comes to um, uh, Taiwan and um, what you, in these six years, have experienced when it comes to obstacles and opportunities in the spiritual atmosphere of that, of that nation. Yeah. Um, so Taiwan is um, an island the size, a third of the size of South Carolina, and it has 24 million people on it. And in the middle of the island is all mountains, so everyone lives like in just a couple, a few areas. Um, and the major religions are um, Buddhism and Taoism, but it's kind of a mixture of whatever, you know, whatever they believe. I don't know. Years and years of uh, different people that have um, been sent to or immigrated to the island uh, that they've carried with them. It's become this big hot. It's like a melt- melting pot. So anyways, they, um, but I would say the majority of the feeling there. So there's temples all over the place. So there's big temples that have different idols to different things. Um, you'll go in, and one of the main temples in Taipei that we take people to when you come, when you will come. Right, one day, when the world opens back up. Um, then it, it has different idols. So one would be the idol of, like, test-taking. And, and these are actual statues that look terrifying. All of them are scary. Um, and so you'll see, like, a big buffet table of, like, offerings. And you'll see student IDs and books and, like, pencils that people will use for their test. 
um, and exams that they come and they offer the offerings to these gods to bless, bless them. So also God of fertility. So they'll go to a certain temple, certain God to pray that they'll be able to have a baby or, you know, different things. Um, and then every neighborhood has like a neighborhood idol. And so you go there and just pray for protection. All of it's like protection and blessing. It's kind of a give and take. There's no relationship. It's all just like, please don't let anything happen to me or my family. Um, and I'm going to give you these things. And even like, um, there's some modern restaurants like, um, you know, KFC and McDonald's is everywhere, right? So on certain times of the month, you'll see, you know, huge KFC buckets of chicken on a table outside of KFC because they want to um, pray that the spirits will um, protect their business or not, not hurt them or not, you know, curse their business or whatever. Um, so it's all very fear-based. Um, and then I would say the underlying thought is, well, the culture is very respective of their elders. It's very family-oriented. So you are part of your family. Your family is the most important thing. And so when people pass away, they believe that their family takes care of them in the afterlife. So they'll literally, like, buy um, at these stores. They'll buy, like, paper money, like Monopoly money, um, but it has, like, amounts on it, like, they'll, um, or tablets, like iPads and iPhones and um, even, like, paper doll houses. And someone in the last service showed me a picture. Um, it was an actual bank, um, like, a, like a, it looks like a paper, like, you know, like this tall. And they burn it, and they believe that their ancestors will get those things in the afterlife if it's burned in their name. And so the biggest struggle that we've had is, you know, the younger generations are kind of like, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is my family. This is what I have to believe. Even if I don't believe it, I have to act like I believe it, and I have to go and pray to my ancestors and do what, provide for them because what if it is true or whatever. And so the biggest barrier we've had is um, if, you know, if someone says, you know what, none of that's true, I believe only in Jesus, then the, their parents and grandparents feel completely betrayed and that no one's going to provide for them in the afterlife because they truly believe it. So we've, we know people who have done this, and um, one of our friends was chased around the house with a knife like they were threatening her. Some people are completely disowned from the family. Um, like, it's a big deal. So that's, if they're going to follow Jesus, they know that... Um, for them to make it public, it's, it could definitely mean, like, kicking out of the family and that kind of thing. So, um, did you want to add anything? Um, no. That's pretty great. Yeah, something interesting to me when we were having tacos the other day is, that, like, you're, you're in a particular situation where you actually are currently being able to influence the business circle a little bit more, which, as much as you talked about spiritual, uh, well, some, la- some lack of identity really when you talk to some somewhat of who are we and what is the spiritual culture the young versus the old is a little bit different but you were talking about how even in business meetings and places you're able to influence uh, you're able to quote people like Paul and Jesus and Michael Jordan next to each other uh, and some of this is um, fairly new is that accurate Clay when you're talking to people in terms of their access to the gospel and Christianity that uh, some of this is starting from scratch uh, or would you say that that's a mixed bag when it comes to people's prior history with, like, faith in Taiwan? Yeah, I would say, in general, it's, it's a pretty mixed bag because with the different doors that's open, there might be the people that I'm discipling or that I'm mentoring who own these companies, a lot of them 
may have, not all, but a lot of them may have had some, uh, some schooling here in the States or even spent part of their lives growing up here in the States. And so they have some sort of knowledge of or have recently come to know Jesus or that kind of thing. Um, but then the people at their, their employees, a lot of them have, are, are complete blank slates when it comes to the things of, uh, of Jesus, things of God. And, and so it's definitely a mixed bag of, uh, yeah, people that we spend time with and, and what their experience is. Yeah. Um, we were at, uh, Tipsy Taco the other day, me and Clay, that was the place that we picked. And he said that the taco revolution is not only doing well here in the States, but also in Taiwan. Because you get tacos, you can go to any nation. You might end up in Cuba with a Cuban taco, or I had a Korean taco, you know. And so everybody's loving the tacos. And, uh, and, uh, and, and one thing that I think, you know, City Lights and the way that you guys operate have in common, one of the ways that we're kind of cut from the same cloth is just, I've heard you talk a lot about the emphasis of relationships and how the frontier of the kingdom of heaven um, uh, participates obviously is very channeled by you know um, revivals and there's mega churches in Taiwan and there's um, wonderful uh, works that are going on but um, I know that the mission team here the committee that we have missions committee here at City Lights obviously that what we're passionate about and I know hearing what you guys talk about a lot is just rhythms of relationship and how just those perpetual you know opportunities to have access and exposure um, not just to Bible but also to how we're raising kids what we're doing with school how we're doing finances and so forth um, but I just thought that was really um, compelling to think about God doing literally that same exact kind of a ministry all the way across the globe. But uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about what maybe the, the week-to-week looks like for you guys, how, how you guys have kind of structured and patterned your life intentionally, um, and, and maybe some of the fruit that you've seen from it in these last six years or so. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll let uh, Rhonda's going to talk about the family here in a second and what what we're seeing there but just to kind of give you guys an idea uh talking about tacos speaking about tacos um we're we're in for the last year and a half we've been in a new area our first four years we were in this one area called Banchao, and when we were there we were in this we were on the 37th floor of a 46 story building if you can wrap your mind around that so when there was an earthquake it was you know we're doing this number um which was, to be honest, that was actually preferable to where we are now when there's an earthquake and we're like, you know, jerking around and stuff. That's a little bit more terrifying than the gentle swaying. But um, when we were there, we, we had this, we really like to open up our home and our lives to people and feel like that's Jesus' model of discipleship, right? Um, he had those, those guys and girls that walked with him. And, um, but back then, one of the things that we did, one of our outreach things that we did was we would have, we would serve tacos, and we started doing it on Tuesdays, and we called it Taco Tuesday. Uh, Tuesdays didn't work great for everybody. Um, that was in our lives, so we moved it to Thursday and called it Taco Thursday, <laughs> was to just keep consistency. And, you know, over there at work, ex- except for our, like, expat friends who were like, tacos, um, <laughs> everybody else was like, so these are called tacos? Yeah, kind of, yeah. And so, um, but everybody loved it. It was great because it opened up our home and um, really allowed us to get to, just to get to know people. We wouldn't do like, like gospel presentations at those things. It was really just, we want you to, we want to get to know you and we want to give you a chance to get to know us and let's just build relationship, right? And um, so that was our focus. And, and uh, I'll just share real quick because this was something that was uh, really exciting to celebrate. One of the, 
ladies that we met back then during that time, those times in our home, her name's Sophia. We got to know her and her son and um, we're able to just build a relationship with her and help them walk through some difficult things in their life over the years. And then after we moved, uh, we still had like loose contact with her and everything. But in January, she, she sent us a message and said, hey, Clay, Rhonda, um, I basically said, I need to know Jesus. Uh, can you help me? And so we went over to her house a few days later, Rhonda led her to the Lord, and she got baptized on Good Friday with our youngest, Liliana, who's over here, and she's dropping in the seat again. Um, that's one of the things I've learned over the years. If I mention their names, it's like, how dare you? Um, but, um, yeah, so that was just really awesome to see how through that relationship, relational building, it, it's led to her now giving her life to Jesus and we got to celebrate her baptism not long ago. And, um, but yeah, we've really, we've just, um, well, I'll take you on a quick little journey through what the Lord's opened up. So about three and a half, four years ago, I met this guy named TJ. He is a professional basketball player over there. Um, he's already a believer. The day that I met him, uh, well, the night before I met him, he had been up all night just really struggling with the Lord, was in a bad place. And he was like, God, I just need somebody that I can meet with, somebody who can disciple me, somebody who can mentor me. The very next morning, he's about to go to practice. A mutual friend introduces us. He asks me what we're doing here, and I share with him. And he's like, you're kidding. Can we get together and talk? So we got together for breakfast like two days later. He shares with me a story. He's like, all this happened, and I was begging God the night before I met you for somebody who could disciple me and mentor me, and then I meet you just a couple hours later. Would you do that? And I was like, absolutely, brother. And so that's, that led into discipling uh, several months later this group uh, of people that he knew, who I, I didn't have a clue who any of them were, but come to find out they were like professional musicians, professional athletes, uh, entrepreneurs, people who started these different companies. And... Um, and as I got to know them, I was like, hey, this, this is great. You know, they, they, the, those, that group really loved Jesus and really wanted to learn how, how do we make him known? How do we honor him with what we've been given with the platform that we have? And so, which is my heart, right? And, um, and that has led into... I'm not, it's just, the Lord's opened these doors in these, in the marketplace. He's opened doors. I mean, I shared it earlier. The doors that he's opened are not doors that we went and walked and knocked on. Um, when people asked us before we moved to Taiwan years ago, um, so who's your focus going to be? Um, are you going to focus on white collar, blue collar, uh, immigrants there? Are you going to focus on the working class students? You know, what are you going to do? We, to be honest, back then, you know, we're seeing all these ministries that have all these different focuses, which are all great. And all, I think they're all called by God to do that. But we were like, we started evaluating and asking each other. We were like, should we have a, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Should we have one? And we were like praying and talking about it. And then we realized that the Lord's calling on us was just to love the person in front of us and to, to disciple the people that he was giving us. And so practically what that looks like is probably 50, 60% of the people that, we, that are a part of our lives that we're discipling are local Taiwanese. The other 40 plus percent are, are North Americans, South Africans, Indians, Japanese, Korean, just uh, Indonesian people that he, uh, Filipino, 
people that he's brought there and that are there as well. Um, and it's, it's working class, it's students, it's CEOs, it's executives, it's entertainers, actors, actresses, musicians, like it, it's just crazy. And, um, and, but it's all been through following relationship and saying yes into the doors that are opening. And, and again, it's not knocking on the doors, but it's doors opening and them saying, hey, can you, can you come here and teach us how to be kingdom with our people and in the areas that we're in. And so we've seen doors open up in, in the marketplace. Uh, I meet with mentor and disciple, three different uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs, who between them own six different companies. And that same day that Liliana and Sophia were baptized, one of the guys from, one of the employees from that company who had started discipling, um, he was baptized as well with them uh, on that afternoon. And I think there's a picture up here. There we go. Steven is his name. I'm not drowning him. It's just a quick drop, a quick pool, dunkage, kiddie pool, pool in front of our house. Yeah. Um, and it was just great. And uh, so we've really just seen the Lord through, through these relationships and through, you know, this intentionality of living life together and teaching people how to obey all that he's commanded us to and, and knowing that he's with us always to the end of the age, that has, that has opened up all of these opportunities that we couldn't have even thought to have prayed for, to be honest. Um, there, there's no way these things would have ever even crossed our mind. Our, our, our heart, our prayer was always just, Lord, who do you want us to invest in? Who do you want us to, to give our time to? And we've just been following those relationships that have been open. And it's put us in places and with people that, on paper, it, it doesn't make sense. Like I told you all, the name of my town is Arkadelphia. It's the real name of a real town in Arkansas. Um, I've never started my own company. I'm not an entrepreneur in that sense of the word, where I've built these massive tech companies and things like that. Um, and, and the most recent thing as far as with the Doors of the Lord has been open, opening specifically with, with me and in this marketplace has been um, one, of, one of the guys that I kind of co-pastor uh, this group of high-profile people with. Um, he, he just started and owns his own um, professional basketball team in Taiwan. Uh, last year, a new, a new league formed, and it did... Um, and it was formed by a guy that we kind of pastor and a pastor, pastor, pastor and disciple and um, who we have relationship with. And he started this whole league. It's been a dream of his for 20 years. He started it during COVID when everything else shut down and it has done, he started with four teams and it's done just amazingly well, amazingly well where People are leaving the CBA in China, which is a high-profile league, like one of the top behind the NBA, to come there and play in Taiwan, um, which is just crazy. Uh, there's other countries that are trying to, they're, they're asking to be a part of it when things open up, like all these countries in, in East Asia and Southeast Asia want to get involved. I mean, it's nuts. And this friend of mine, really good friend, his name's Phil, he loves Jesus, he's, he's an amazing guy, he started a new organization there, and... Um, Right before it was announced, he called me, and yeah, a new team, sorry, a new team for that league. He called me, and um, he basically said, I want you to help create the culture that is the new Taipei City Kings. From the top down, bottom up, I want this to be a kingdom culture. 
Um, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to do what God's given you to do here with, our, with my entire organization. And from that, I want to open it up into the league and it affect every team in the league and it be a league-wide thing that happens. Guys, I shared this earlier and I know that you're all sitting out there thinking, well, that makes sense because you look like you were a former professional <laughs> basketball player. You've, you've got the height. The, why y'all are laughing so hard about that? But um, I haven't been. Just to clarify that, I never played pro ball. Uh, the highest level I got was intramurals at my university. Church league. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but so, I mean, just these things on, on paper, they don't make sense, but it's doors that the Lord's opening. And I love basketball. I've got a heart. I've discipled several of the guys in the league. I've got good relationships with them just from what the Lord's opened. But to be given access to this entire to an entire organization, to an entire league is just, it's, it's only God. It's only God. And, um, and it's just incredibly humbling to be able to be a part of it and uh, to see these doors that the Lord's opened up. But um, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to Rhonda. She's going to share more about what's going on with our family and how we do things as a family together. Yeah. So as we just knew it was important when we went over, um, Clay and I both just felt like it's important that our family knows that, it, that God has called us all there. And while we give them time to um, explore their own relationship with the Lord and don't force them into anything, we do encourage them, you know, to reach out to their friends and everything. And they go to an American Christian school there, which has been a huge blessing for their transition and everything. Um, so we weren't really expecting that there would be a lot of opportunity there to minister to people, but it turns out about 50%, at least 50% of the people that go there um, are not believers. So they send their kids there for the international education. And so it's just provided so many opportunities. Um, one example is um, a lady named Bella who has two daughters. Um, her oldest daughter's in Karis's class and her younger daughter is in Maylie's class. And they got to be good friends. And so it was just natural that we would hang out and do things together. And, um, you know, we talk about with our kids like, oh, this person's from, um, you know, India. They probably believe in this and this your this friend is here they don't they don't know God and so um so we just encourage them just to build relationships like we do it's just natural and um just talk about it and so we spent time with the family and um another friend of mine Jalen and I both really invested in Bella and spent time with her and as she just saw how we interact and how just really the relationship with the Lord is so different um and even Sophia who he talked about earlier the thing that stuck out to her in our conversation, she had, had recently gone to like a funeral um, of her father-in-law and they like call in the grievers, they call in um, like all these people to do all these ritual things and it's really kind of eerie and scary. And so we, she had asked me, you know, what, what, when someone dies in your religion, what do you do? And I was like, really, it's a celebration because you have this relationship with God and then you finally get to go see him. And she was like, that's so different. And so anyways, just spending time with people. And so Bella just got to be interested. And one day um, she told Jalen that she was going to see um, the, um, what's it called? Magic, not magic, but the fortune teller. Because that's a regular thing also in that, in that culture. And Jalen was like, but why, why are you doing that? And she said, um, do you mind if I pray with you before you, you know, and so anyway, that day she just realized, like, what am I doing? Like, if I can have a relationship. And so she got prayed and asked Jesus into her heart that day. And since then, for the past two years, we were, we were able to baptize her. And 
Um, she just is now leading other people. She talks just so openly to everyone about Jesus and is even discipling people on her own. And it's just such a, a witness, you know, even just to hear her pray. It's just so humbling just to see how God's been working in her heart. Now we're trying to spend time with her husband. And, um, but that's just one example. I mean, like Clay said, we, we try to open our home um, about once every week or two for like a, just invite people over because that's not something in the culture that you do. And all of these, their friends and people that come over, I mean, they see our house. So we try to clean up, um, but they see things in a mess and they see our kids argue and they see, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's one thing that the Lord has always put on my heart is to empower everyone around you that no matter where you are, you don't have to have things together, but God wants to use you uniquely and, and however you are. So, um, so that's some of the rhythms that we do as a family. And we just make sure that kids know that they are just as special and just as called by the Lord as, as we are. Yeah, and one thing I'll piggyback off what Rhonda shared is that we feel like it's really important is is to allow people to see, like, real life, uh, real life of following Jesus. Like, you know, the, the sanitized and, and polished services and Bible studies and things like that, they're all good. They all have their place, but, but that's pretty easy. You know, it's pretty easy to do uh, because it looks good. You can set aside that hour, hour and a half to do that kind of thing, but letting people see, like, authenticity of what it is to actually follow Jesus, like letting them see you lose it with your kids and then going and asking them for forgiveness, uh, you know, that kind of, even something that simple is, and fixing things with your kids is, it goes a long way. Um, seeing your house not, you know, all the way put together, like sitting down with you and folding your clothes with you, or, you know, helping do dishes with you, uh, it's, that that's real life, and you can have Jesus conversations and real life conversations with people in that in that mundane uh, aspect of it, and that's that's really our heart is teaching people how to follow Jesus Monday through Saturday. You know, taking the one day or taking a couple hours the one day that's that's pretty easy to it's pretty easy to fake it and it's pretty easy to um, you know get by and give people a certain persona or allow them to to sense a certain persona about you, but showing them the reality and the difficulties, the highs and the lows of the everyday, it's, it's just really different. And like Rhonda shared earlier, most of the worship there, it's not, it, well, none of it is relational at all. It's all transactional. It's all, here's what I'm going to give in hopes that you'll ease up on me or in hopes that you, you know, this, won't, this bad thing won't happen to me or you won't do this to me. It's very much a distant transactional thing Whereas when we, you know, whenever we're sharing and when they're seeing this, a relationship, uh, an actual relationship with the Lord and with our family and how it, how, how we do our best to allow that love to infiltrate everything that we do, even when we mess up, uh, that we still come back to that. It's, it's just really transforming and opens people's eyes. We're by no means perfect examples of what, uh, you know, and, and look exactly like Jesus, but our goal is to uh, you know, to live in that love and whenever we mess up to fix it and to allow love to fix it and to show people that reality and show them that, hey, if we can do it in our mess, then you can do it as well. Like we're, we're literate, we're normal people. Um, so yeah. Yeah. One of the themes that I continue to hear at both services is that there's a plan, but then there's this uh, openness and availability. Like you guys have consistent rhythms and a 
opening of your home and, and then the relationships become very consistent, the names and the stories and the way that you're accountable, but just the openness, um, if, if you guys were not open to this relationship and leading to the next one in that meeting and this possibility, then I'm hearing you say the lion's share of everything that God has done in the last six years was not on a whiteboard before it happened. And, uh, and so the impetus of that thing was a yes, more so than it was a schematic or a plan, um, which is um, just a super powerful thought. Before we go, I wanted to ask, we didn't even talk about this last service, but you talked about uh, at Tacos the other day, a, a lady you ran into at a temple that was like looking for healing. And just tell us a little bit about that, because I, I thought that was a wonderful example of something that's not going to be on a whiteboard and something that just implicitly requires an open-handed availability. And, and I think that sometimes our yes has stipulations, you know, like, yes, if it's on my terms, you know, but just tell us a little bit about that. And, and I think it's just, it was a great testimony yeah, to sure. how the Lord works. Um, so, you know, our, our, our overall approach to ministry is, and I hate even saying that, it's really our approach to life. Like we, our, our heart, our desire is that we're always kingdom people. We're always sons and daughters of our father who loves us, right? I mean, that is our reality. If you don't know that, hear that this morning, that's your reality. God is a father who loves you and is with you all the time. And so just walking in that, like I, I hate even the idea of separating ministry and home and work and that kind of deal. Like we're always sons and daughters, no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. We're always kingdom representatives, no matter where we are, what we're doing. And so while our approach is oftentimes, you know, looking for the relationship and bringing people in, sometimes there's, there's times where we're out and about. And this one particular instance, we had, um, we had a, a, two guys had come out from the States and they were, anytime people come out, we always take them to one of the temples, one of the most famous ones, where at any given time, pre-COVID, there's anywhere from several hundred to a couple thousand people there at the temple at that exact time, right? And so we always take them there to just let them see the reality of the, like, what kind of runs the show, what kind of controls people out there. And um, so we're just out there, and I'm, I'm literally just giving them a tour. You know, like, I already always talk to people about always be in conversation with Jesus, always be in conversation with the Father, no matter if you're buying groceries, if you're studying, if you're driving in the car on the scooter, have these little scooters that ride 125cc, getting after it. Um, you know, no matter what you're doing, just always be in conversation, right? That whole idea of praying continually. And so I'm there and I'm explaining to them how the different, what's going on throughout the temple. You know, I don't go in there ever and stand up on the highest point and say, thus saith the Lord, repent or else turn or burn. And, you know, that kind of deal. It's just, we're just there, right? And in the midst of several hundred, maybe a couple of thousand people in this temple, we get to the back area. And I see this 80-something-year-old woman sitting in the back. And as soon as I look at her, as I'm giving a tour, as soon as I see her, I just felt like the Lord said, her back is causing her pain, and it's been a long time. That was it. That was it. And so I just turned to the guys, and I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go talk to a woman back here, this old lady back here. Um, they were like, can we come? I said, sure. I didn't tell them why or anything. They were like, I was like, sure, yeah, but, I mean, we're going to be speaking in Chinese. You can just sit there and so we so I walked up to her and I didn't say thus saith the Lord your back is hurting you and it's been bothering you for a long time I walked up to her and in Chinese I said and she goes ah 
which to translate for you guys, I said, hey, how are you today? And she was like, oh my gosh, you speak Chinese. This is 80-something-year-old woman. So she's like super excited. So she's like, where did you learn? I said, I learned in Taichung back in like 2002, 2003. And she was like, that long ago? Oh, it's so great. And I was like, well, you only like heard me greet you. But so we start talking. She's like, where'd you live in Taichung? And I told her, and then I was back in the States. And now we've been back here for a year and a half, two years. You know, we're just like kind of shooting the breeze or whatever. And after a few minutes, she's just like loves me now. And we're talking. And, and um, so I said to her, and my two friends were standing there, and they're just like, you know, like, you don't have a clue what's going on. And uh, I was like, these are my friends. They're here visiting from America. And she's like, hey, do they speak Chinese? No. And she's like, hey, ni hao. And they're like, hey. And so then I say to her, um, I said, hey, I've got a question for you. I don't want this to sound weird, but is your back, like, really, really bothering you? And she said, yeah. And I said, it's been doing that for a long time, right? She said, yeah. And I said, how long? And she said, it's been over 20 years. It just kills me. And, and she wasn't like, it wasn't like an obvious thing where she's like, you know, hunched over, hunchback kind of thing. She was standing up normal. Um, there wasn't anything on the outside that would have shown me this. Um, and so she was like, I said, You've, you come, did you come to the temple today because of that? And she said, yeah, I've been coming almost every day for over 20 years because of my back pain. And I said... I said, really, have you ever seen anything, uh, have you ever seen anything get fixed as a result of that? And she said, never, but I keep coming back. And she said, how did you know that? And I said, well, I don't know if you've heard of Jesus, but I'm friends with him. And she was like, yeah, I've heard of Jesus. He's like the Christian God, right? And I said, yeah. And uh, she's like, you're friends with him? And I said, yeah. And as soon, as soon as I came around and I saw you, of all the people here, as soon as I saw you, I felt like he told me that you had this back problem. And I feel like the reason he told me that is he wants you to know his love, that he sees you, and he wants to heal you. Are you okay if I pray for you? And um, she was like, okay, sure. And so I was like, are you okay if I just put my hand on your back right here? And she said, okay. And I just start praying for her, and about 15, 20 seconds into it, she goes, what'd you just do? And I said, what do you mean? And she was like, the pain is gone. It's gone. And this is an 80-something-year-old woman. And I was like, that's amazing. And she said, what'd you do? How'd you do that? I said, I didn't do anything. I, all I did was pray for you. Jesus did that because he loves you. Jesus did that because he sees you and he wants you to know him and who he's created you to be, that you're his daughter and that he loves you. And it was just amazing. This woman had been going for over 20 years to this place. She went to that place one more time, and Jesus met her in the midst of all of this false worship, in the, in the midst of all this stuff. And it wasn't me standing up with the Bible in one hand and a megaphone in the other yelling. It was just me and her in that little corner of the temple where the Lord met her. And it was just really neat to see that, like, to this day, uh, I wish the story ended with me saying, and now she comes to our house every week, and she's being discipled, and she's leading out. That's not where the story ended. So as I start sharing with her the gospel, her friend, who I guess she's known over the years, who worked at the temple and who's dressed in the gray robes and everything, she saw what was going on and didn't like it. 
came over, grabbed her, rushed her off, and I was like, what just happened? But at the same time, while, while I could have gotten frustrated with that, um, I didn't because I knew that I was obedient to what God gave me in that moment, right? I don't know the rest of her story. I don't know if she's had a friend who's been trying to share with her about Jesus for 20 years, who she's just ignored and ignored and ignored. And then all of a sudden, you know, this happens with a white bearded dude in the middle of a temple who happens to speak Chinese, who has no business knowing anything about her. She goes back to that friend and is like, oh my gosh, you're never going to guess what happened. I met this dude, white dude from America. And this is what, and he told me about Jesus and Jesus healed me. And so, you know, she, she could have given her life to the Lord through that. It could have been, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of her story is. I just know that in that moment, what we're, ultimately what we're called to do is yes to whatever it is he's showing us, right? And some of the things, most of the things, he already, he's already showed us in, I didn't bring my physical Bible, but he's already showed himself in his word. Um, that felt so weird. He, he, he's already revealed and given us so much instruction already through his word, of like I tell people all the time, I'm like, we don't need any more of these like five steps, seven steps to do this, to do this, to do this. Like, to be honest, we're fat with information. Like, we are, we are so fat and full with information on how to that it's gotten us to the point where we don't even, like, we don't even walk in obedience. In general, the church doesn't walk it out in obedience because we think we have to keep learning all this stuff. Whereas if I believe that if he never spoke another thing to us, that we could see the world change through what he's already told us. If we just spent time in the word, right? And if we just spent that time and just learned and were obedient to what it is that he told us, man, everything around us would be different, you know? And so that's just really our heart is what is it that he's, everything is a green light in the kingdom. Everything's a green light in the kingdom. If he's showing you something with somebody that you need to pray for, you don't have to wait for a hand to write on the wall to pray for it. Go for it unless he tells you to stop. Go for it unless he says, it's not time right now. And so to just live, yes, to live green light into, I'm carrying the kingdom into everything, everywhere that he has me. And you don't have to do it in an abrasive, confrontational, in your face, like, Jesus, Jesus, where people are like terrified of you. You know, our methodology matters. But to be intentional about the relationship and about following in obedience and sharing this adventure, sharing this life, sharing this love, sharing this relationship with the people that he's given us, I really believe that we'll see not only Taiwan changed and New Taipei City changed, but we'll see Greenville change. We'll see Greer, TR, we'll see, you know, we'll see the world around us, our our places of business, our schools, our families, our communities, we'll see those change if we just learn to live in obedience to what it is that he's already said to us. Awesome. How about a hand for uh, the Danners and uh, all the Lord's doing uh, in Taiwan. And uh, this is uh, a card. Don't you have some information uh, as well to, to share with people that uh, you yeah. can take home with you as well as a Connect card that allows them to get in contact with you in the future? Is that right. what that's for? Yeah, so... On the bottom of the prayer card that should be around you is our website. And if you go to the website and you want to connect, if you want to get our emails or even send us an email and be like, hey, we want to talk more, do it. 
Um, that's what it's there for. We love it. We welcome it. We live wide open. Any question you have, we'll answer. Uh, anything you want to talk about, we'll talk about with you. Um, we really just have a heart to see people activated into God's call in their lives and, and helping them learn how to live out this. Uh, our, one of our, I feel like our family theme verses is that it's up here. I don't know if it's up there or not. First uh, Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me just as awesome of Jesus, mm-hmm. um, which is really just teaching people how to follow Jesus. So any, anything you want to talk about, we're wide open. If you want to follow what's going on, you can sign up uh, for our emails on there. And then we also have a private Facebook group that when you get your welcome email, it'll show, give you a link to that. Also, we have these uh, partner cards here where if you don't want to do that and you just want to write down your name and number or name and email address and have us enter it for you, we can do that too. So you can give us your contact information here or if you want to go on the website and do that yourself, if you want to be connected, then we welcome that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I hear you guys um, just in your story and it's hard not to hear that God continues to open doors and open hearts. And if God opens the door, nobody else can close it. If, if the door is not opened by the Lord, it can't be opened by any person. And so um, I'm just... Uh, uh, touch and nudge today just to, um, to to think about the story that God is telling, you know, through your life that we could, you know, as to use your word to join in that adventure right where we are, uh, as you're saying, to be friends with God and to and to talk about, you know, who he is as being a son and a daughter wherever we are. So um, let me uh, let me just close this in prayer as we did last time. I'll invite the band to come forward if, uh, if they could and uh, lay hands. If you guys would extend hands today to pray for uh, the Danners. And again, I uh, would love for you guys to get in touch with them after service or just online in the near future. Um, But um, Lord Jesus, beyond careers, uh, Lord, and beyond um, conveniences, I just thank you for calling. And God, what you call, you equip. What you call, you resource. Uh, What you call, you empower. Uh, And so I thank you, Lord, that what we are talking about today is not a matter of talk, but of power uh, and uh, of the resurrected Jesus. And so... um, I just want to pray specifically the two requests that he made in the first service. First, Lord, for finance. Uh, Lord, I I ask you, Lord, for just kingdom finance and resources to come through um, in your timing and through the hands that you're directing. Uh, The Lord, the resources would flow through obedience um, uh, and and through uh, through joy um, that is from the kingdom of heaven. So I thank you, Lord, for enough and even more than enough when it comes to finance and resource. Uh, Two, um, I want to pray for... um, developing relationships so they've just moved into a new space. Um, I, I just pray for, um, for you to open up um, hearts and doors as, as they go and meet people and develop relationships. And, and I pray, Lord, for just a supernatural strength and wisdom for them to discern the times and the season. Um, when it comes to uh, school decisions, uh, when it comes to um, uh, just planning decisions in terms of small groups and Bible studies and church and all those types of things, I pray for just a supernatural sense of wisdom to know which doors to walk through as many of them have opened before them even in this hour. So we thank you for this and we're so proud to be a part of what's going on there and to play a small part in your story. And Lord, I pray that you would awaken us for the nations and that you would cause us to pray not just for the harvest, but for the workers as well. And thank you, Lord, that you are continuing to send workers in the harvest. We love you and trust you in your son's name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.